I'm Cameron DeVazier. And I'm Mark Howard. And this is Talking Points. Yes. We are in our quarter on education, the very last quarter of this 2020 study year. And we're, particularly for this week, looking at lesson six, more lessons from the master teacher. Right. Clearly, this is a continuation of last week's. Second B. Exactly. <laughs> the sequel, if you will. Yes. And so we're picking up right where we left off from last week's and um, basically looking at Jesus, not just as our Savior and Lord, though of course he is, but what we can learn from him as a teacher and how he can empower us to be better teachers uh, and as we represent him in this world. So got a lot of good material in this week's lesson study, and I'm excited to get into it. But before we do that, let's start with a word of prayer, shall yes. we? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this lesson that we get to study. Thank you, of course, for Jesus, who is the master teacher. Help us to learn at his feet and in turn to teach others to follow him as well. So bless our time as we study today. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this week, as we already mentioned, is simply an extension or continuation of last week's. And last week, let's just briefly review, we were looking at Jesus yes. not as the teachings of Jesus or right. even the teaching method of Jesus so much, but more of the embodiment of Jesus, That's who right. he was as a representative of God. As a revelation of the character of God, yes. Exactly right. This week now, we're going to transition more into how Jesus would go about his teaching, his more of his methodology right. and whatnot. And so our three takeaway points uh, this week, number one, Jesus is our great rabbi or teacher. That word rabbi means teacher, and we're going to see how he would go about doing the teaching. Mm -hmm. But when people saw Jesus, they didn't just see a man or the God-man. They saw him as a teacher. And what yes. does that mean? Okay. Number two, talking point number two, is that Jesus looked for teaching moments. Jesus didn't just arbitrarily or randomly spout off things. He was deliberate in how he would uh, target his lessons. And number three, a critically important one, that we should learn for the purpose of teaching. That our goal isn't just to take in information. Our goal is to become what Jesus taught and in turn be a teacher for others. Yes. So uh, we've got a lot to cover today, those three talking points. So let's be clear. You know, when we talk about the Great Commission, mm -hmm. go and make disciples. Mm -hmm. Or the word means to teach. Yes. And it actually means to teach people to teach. Yes. Teach, the, you know, the whole idea of discipleship. So that's what we're talking about. In that, especially in that last point, the purpose of teaching is to teach people to teach. Exactly, so that they can teach other to teach. teach and in exactly. some way, man, if everybody teaches everybody, this message will go around the world. <laughs> beautiful. Amen. And that's our goal, of course, is to see the that's practical right. change in the whole world given the light of the glory of God. So let's start with that number one. Jesus is our great rabbi teacher. Yes. Uh, in John chapter 1, verse 38, and this is in our lesson study from Tuesday. By the way, uh, this is going to be primarily... How do I say this? Uh, a non-sequential uh, covering of the lesson this week. They typically are when we do this. A little bit, and yeah. And our point There's, is to tell you that that's when you fine. go through the lesson and you see a flow and it seems to make better sense a certain way, then arrange the right. lesson accordingly. And so what I drew from this is everything that goes inside of this first talking point about Jesus being the great teacher yes. is drawn from Sabbath afternoon, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. 
-hmm. All those four really talk around that same theme of Jesus being that model teacher. And so, for instance, that, that verse from John chapter 1, verse 38 was touched on in Tuesday's lesson, actually, when those first disciples would address him and they, yes. said, they said to him, Rabbi, and then the parentheses in the text says, which translated means teacher, teacher where are you staying? And he says, well, come and follow me. Right. But they looked at Jesus and the point of that passage being in there is not just an interesting character or even God in the flesh and let's be around you, but they noticed that he was a teacher, mm -hmm. that he was there to communicate Yeah, something. and you and I talked about that. It's not like Jesus went around and said, by the way, I'm a rabbi. Exactly, I'm he didn't wear a badge or something. Yeah. So there was something in his manner of communication yes. that was different than that of the scribes and Pharisees mm. in that it, it elicited this, this oh, he's teaching us. Um, there was, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It, what was that something? And I don't, I'm not exactly sure what particular... it was, but as we go through this, we're going to learn some lessons what made him distinct from other teachers that they saw in him, this, this true teacher spirit. Um, one of the lessons I drew, and this is after from Sabbath afternoon and Sunday, yes. both hit on this topic is that, uh, well, for instance, in Sabbath afternoon's lesson, it opens with that, who among us has never been ashamed of himself or, uh, or herself? And who among us hasn't done things that pain us to think about and that we would recoil in horror at the thought of others knowing? Most likely we've all been there, haven't we? Well, I mean, that's a pretty odd way to open up a, a Sabbath school <laughs> lesson, but it's like, boy, we're all terrible, aren't we? Well, that's kind of what's being touched on here is that Jesus didn't just talk about abstract ideas. He would go right to the heart of the problem and talk to people directly and start where the problem lies. And I believe that Christ in his teaching, would teach us our true condition. Uh, well, you were commenting right. on this, and it wasn't just by pointing out the problem, mm. right? Yes. Well, for, well, it, and this is the teacher ele element of it. Yes. He didn't. He didn't say, "Look, Adam, you messed up." Right. Well, that, speaking of Adam, Genesis chapter three, uh, the lesson points to this as an example of this Christ calling us to our true condition. Of course, Genesis chapter 3 is the story of the fall where Adam and Eve uh, rebelled against God, disobeyed his rule. And when God comes and walks among them, let's go to verses 8 and 9. You want to read those two verses? <laughs> sure. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Now, and of course, you think, <laughs> yeah. like, you, what a you got to have a great hiding place to hide from God and he can't find you. Well, I kind of like to joke that clearly they weren't good at duplicity and hiding yeah. because they're like, we're hiding. It's like, that's, right. not, that's the last thing you want right. to do. But You don't get the game. Exactly. You're new at this. But Christ mm -hmm. comes down and walks with them in the cool of the day, and he doesn't just start laying out accusations, which right. would have been true. Right. But he calls to the man. He wants him to understand his true condition, so he asks the essentially rhetorical question, where are you? Right. What? How did you get here, right? You see, similarly, and it, this isn't in the yeah. lesson, but... Yeah, right, because he knows where he is, and he yeah. knows why he's there. But he wants the man to know why he's right. there. Yeah. It, the question... To reflect on it. The yeah. question, does God know? No matter how that sentence ends, is always going to end with a yes. <laughs> does God know? Uh, what? Yes. Yeah. Of course he knows. So right. God asking a question clearly isn't for his own information. It's a device to draw us into what he already knows. Mm -hmm. It's a teaching method, right? You right. see it again in Genesis chapter 4, whenever the Lord dealt with right. uh, Cain. Cain. Exactly. 
in, in verse 6, it says, so the Lord said to, after he disobeys, right, the, the, the instructions about sacrifice, so the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? And he goes on to instruct him, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And the idea being that Christ, and how many times in, in the ministry of Jesus can you see this, where Jesus cuts right to the heart of the thing? You know, Nicodemus wants to talk about other things. The woman of the well wants to change the subject. And Christ says, well, let's start with the real problem. And he, right. and he cuts straight to the issue, right? So Christ teaches us our true condition. Um, thus you read in Psalm 32 how David would, it, would praise the Lord saying, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. That That's the starting point is truth. The truth about our true condition, the true nature of the problem. Then in that teaching element, this is where I want to focus more time on. Go to Genesis chapter 28. There's this metaphor of the ladder. Yes. And it's actually from a, it's not just a, a teaching device, it was an actual uh, a visionary experience that Jacob had. We're familiar right. with his flight. And if you read verses, um, let's go Genesis 28, 10 through 12. Can you read that, Mark? 10 through 12? Sure. Now Jacob went out from uh, Beersheba and went toward Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set. And he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he lay down in that place to sleep. Then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached to heaven. And there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. Hmm. Now that ladder vision, right? Like, what's that all about? And you would think that the Bible would just immediately start to explain it, and it really doesn't until Jesus himself comes in the That's New right. Testament and says, by the way, that ladder, that was me. Right, and you're gonna, and he tells uh, his earliest disciples about that. But from that, we take many, many lessons. But let's talk about the, what this tells us about Christ as a teacher. That he sees our true problem, he brings us to a knowledge of our true condition, and then he doesn't just say, "That's too bad." Just want to let you know you're in that condition. Yeah. He comes down and condescends to our low state, our, our humanity. He takes upon himself. And that ladder, in the imagery, it's grounded on the earth and it reaches all the way to heaven. Yes. The idea being it's not like from heaven and dangling right. you know, high above the earth, just something we look at. It comes all the way down, but it's not so sunk down that it can't reach up to heaven anymore. It goes right. all the way down and goes Perfect all the way up. Perfect connecting link between the two. Exactly. Um, in Selected Messages, book one, uh, page 280, Ms. White makes this patently clear. She said, this ladder represented Christ, who had opened the communication between earth and heaven. In Christ's humiliation, he descended to the very depth of human woe and sympathy and pity for fallen man, which was represented to, J to Jacob by one end of the ladder resting upon the earth, while the top of the ladder, reaching unto heaven, represents the divine power of Christ, who grasps the infinite and thus links earth to heaven and finite man to the infinite God. And it goes on to mm -hmm. talk about the importance of that connection that is only found in Christ. And let's think about this for, from a teaching perspective. If you have someone who doesn't have the knowledge that you have or the language capacity or even the stature that you right. have, right? You don't just lord it over them and talk down to them. You get down on their level. Yeah. You've got kids. I've got sure. kids. And... In fact, just this morning, and I'm not going to share too much this morning, but we had to have a, a teaching moment in our house. Mm. Little come to Jesus. Little come to Jesus. Yeah. And we had to get down. <laughs> and he wasn't just standing over and scolding mm. and looking and saying, I see this. Yeah. But I wanted to draw it out. I want to ask him what's yes. really going on here. 
and then I want them to understand, do you see how we got here? Do you see the problem with, and you have to like get down on their level and put yourself in that place. And mm. that's when that really effective teaching comes. But in the big picture, the, the quintessential condescension to our low estate would be Jesus himself coming that's right. to this earth. And I don't think we often focus on what a, what a unique treasure it is that Christ would come here when he could have explained things from the heavens or, you know, just, just given the Bible, which is great, but he stepped down to our position. That's right. And he took up on himself the nature that we share so we, he knows what it's like. What a powerful thought. Well, it's interesting. You have Hebrews 4 here, and you're yes. talking about Christ in his role as our high priest and how it, one of his qualifications was his ability to, um, to succor those who mm. are tempted because he himself has experienced that same temptation. And I just think about, is it Malachi that describes the priests as teaching priests? Because mm. that was a role of the priest was to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so in that same context, you know, Paul's talking about Jesus as a teacher who, who can sympathize yes. with our weaknesses. That's right. exactly what you're, you're drawing out. And that's what I have to think, going back to that original thing, when, when they saw Jesus, they noticed something in him that was a genuine rabbi, a genuine teacher, and that he would, yes, know the true condition and try to draw it out, but he would go down to that level and speak to it patiently and draw from us and instruct to us these great principles that well, would that change leads, us. That leads us into point number two. So he, he came down, he wanted to draw out those principles, and he, in his ministry, would look for opportunities yes. to teach. Yes, point number two, look for those teaching moments. And we, I think, sometimes overlook the strategic mind of Christ. Yeah. That he didn't just like, well, it's, I guess this Tuesday I'll tell you this one thought and this one yes. over here. But he was, you know, and the example given, it comes from Matthew chapter 15, but it's the story of the Canaanite woman who comes to beg of Christ. And, and of course, we know that there was this great rift between the Jews and the Gentiles. Right. And even Christ's own disciple shared those prejudices and those uh, uh, shortcomings. And as a teaching tool... Christ yes. does an almost mm. unthinkable thing. Like, sh here's this poor woman coming to beg for help, and Christ is, to all appearances, curt and dismissive and even cruel in his treatment mm -hmm. of her. And he's, he talks about, like, you know, we don't throw out the, uh, the, the food to the dogs. Yes. And, you know... Praise the Lord, her faith did not fail. And obviously he knew that her faith right. did not fail. And she comes back with this great retort that even the dogs, it's some scraps from the table, right? The crumbs. That's right. And uh, why don't you read for us Desire of Ages, page 400. What, what sure. Sister White picks up on that. Christ did not immediately reply to the woman's request. He received this representative of a despised race as the Jews would have done. Mm. In this, he designed that his disciples should be impressed with the cold and heartless manner in which the Jews would treat such a case as evinced by his reception of the woman and the compassionate manner in which he would have them deal with such distress as manifested as I'm sorry as manifested by his subsequent granting of her petition. Right. So he was going to grant the petition. Yeah. But he went this circuitous route not as for it, her sake 
but for their sake to teach them through this. Yeah, yeah. It's almost as if you know you can treat a person rudely and really not see how rude you're being. But when they were the audience and they watched, they thought, "Man, that that's even that mean to exactly. Canaanite," you know. <laughs> yeah. And that kind of helped them, and that was his whole point to see like how cruel. And this isn't the way. And then he contrasted with the compassionate manners, which he says. Right. There. And, then and then when then he thought, yields to that, they're like, yes. oh, I see what you did there. That yeah. was us being right. And so he was trying to teach it. So was his goal mm-hmm. to help the woman? Yes. But his goal also was to use that circumstance as a teaching moment for his own disciples. Yes. And if you start looking through the Bible record through that lens of how was Jesus not just trying to accomplish a ministry, but to yeah. teach others to minister along the way, almost every other story you come up with Jesus has this unique way of not just addressing the problem, but using it as an t- opportunity to teach bigger principles, you know? Right. You have a few. I listed a few of them here, like, for instance, the death of Lazarus. You read in John chapter 11, Jesus said, this is not unto death, but for the glory of God might be seen. And, and, and he wanted to teach people a certain lesson. Yeah, he could have easily healed Lazarus. He yeah. could have healed him from afar, like the centurion. No, just go, look. Just say I'm the word speak only. the word, yeah. and, but he didn't. He did not. And... And he gave an answer that, you know, this is for God's glory and honor, pretty much. That's essentially it, yeah. And so he he teaches his disciples, which, by the way, we don't have time to go into that lesson for sure, but the disciples and Mary and Martha and even the strangers there mourning all believed Jesus could heal, but none of them thought he could raise the dead. Right. And so when he says, I am the resurrection and the life, they're like, well, I know someday. He's like, who do you think's coming someday? It's me, (laughs) right? So he wanted to teach this lesson. So he allows Lazarus to die. Not for Lazarus' sake. What power do you think is going to resurrect people? Who do you think the voice of the archangel (laughs) is, right? And I think of Jesus' healings on the Sabbath days at the pool and in the synagogues when he would, Mm -hmm. he knew that was going to rile up opposition. Yes. He was like, good. I want to, let's use this as a tea. I could do this on a Tuesday, but let's do it on a Sabbath, right? Mm -hmm. He he was looking for that. The feeding of the 5,000. Why not just miraculously feed them and send them away? He's like, no, no, you organize them. You teach them. He wanted to teach his disciples how to deal with a church group, right, as they're prepared. Over and over, Christ does the work of ministry, but in such a way that he uses the circumstance as a teaching opportunity for his disciples. He was always looking for those teaching moments. It's interesting, too, that a lot of those teaching moments are negative. In other words, Mm. like, if you had your way, like, I don't want to have opposition. I don't want to have it. I'm just going to do it this way, and I'll avoid all that. Mm. So he would actually, I don't want to say encourage, but he was not deterred by opposition or by circumstances that could have been discouraging mm-hmm. because he said, I can use that. Yeah, that's an opportunity. I'm yes. going to work with that, right? Yeah, I, I can get further with that than if everything mm-hmm. went smooth. Well, even you think of the feeding of the 5,000 when they come back with the five loaves and yes. two fishes, you could almost think they were like, see, told you. Yeah. And he's like, great, let's get work with that. You're like, <laughs> I'm glad your expectations are shattered. Now I can teach you a lesson. Right. So that's a very important mm-hmm. thing. Jesus, And we should obviously take away from that. If we have opportunity to teach someone, don't just get your daily routine of business done. Take that extra moment and look for ways to build up people and teach spiritual principles. Absolutely. All right, and number three, let's close with this one. We should learn for the purpose of teaching. Mm. Now, we were just in Hebrews. So important. So our Bible should still be open to that, if I'm not mistaken, by my count. Well, Hebrews chapter 4 is where Jesus is talked about as the high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses. But now we're going to go to Hebrews 5. And in Hebrews chapter 5, the same Apostle Paul, who I believe uh, wrote the book of Hebrews, explains in verses, uh, let's just go 12 to 14. Can you read that for us? Oh, I don't have it. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I'll yeah, read those for. Or you want to find it? <laughs> no, I was looking for another passage. So okay, well I'll go with that, this one. I'm gonna. All right. Well, Hebrews chapter five. He's basically giving this deep teaching yes. on the priesthood of Christ and comparing it to Melchizedek and the high priestly role. A lot of deep stuff, right? But then he kind of stops. Let, let me read this first, and I think that one ends okay, better than this. But I'm just thinking of Hebrews 11, 24, and 25, where you're, this is the principle that you're talking about, where the Bible says there's one who scatters, yet increases more. And there's one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. In other words, if you scatter, you're going to have less. No, you have more. Mm. And the one who withholds, he hoards it, but he doesn't have he anything He runs out, left. yeah. And then it says the generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. Oh, so that's a powerful principle thought, of, right. You know, we don't learn to hoard it. Mm. We learn to share it. Boy, how much of the learning that happens in churches mm. and seminars and sermons, good as it may be, if it's not yes. put to any use, will actually be a detriment or at least won't be benefit. And that's, well, right that's where, where he's calls, coming from. Because yeah. he says in verse, um, in verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 5, after he talks about the high priest uh, Jesus and the order of Melchizedek, he then abruptly turns and says, of whom, speaking of Jesus, yeah. we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. Mm -hmm. And notice that they, he doesn't say you are dull of hearing. He says you have become <laughs> this way. Right. And he explains, verse 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God and have come to need milk and not solid food. Continuing, he says, For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age. He's speaking of mature yes. Christians, right? And he explains what that means. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. That well, you've taken something and done something with it so you can get more. First thing, the <laughs> level of offensiveness of this statement. Oh, if a pastor no, said that, they'd no, be no, out. Hold on a minute. <laughs> We think today, I mean, mothers will breastfeed, but they'll pump and they'll have bottles. <laughs> and even if there was no pumping, there was yeah. no Santalac yes. or whatever they use anymore. <laughs> it's like you would be nursing at your mother's breast uh, yes. by now. So it was just a very, like, you are an infant and you, yes. the height so of. So offensive. Yeah. But what is his The reason? idea of an adult still nursing. And that's what he's yeah. talking about. Like. But he's talking in the spiritual context in the sense that there is so much more solid food we could be talking about. Yes. But we keep having it. We get to this point, we have to go back over it and go back over it and go well, back over it. Well, it's interesting. In chapter 6, he said, we're just going to go there anyway. <laughs> so he, let's, let's put these elementary things yes. and let's go. But clearly he's writing from frustration that the people could absorb more if yes. they would put to use what they'd That's already right. received. Right? Um, yeah, and he makes that point very clear in verse 14. He says, uh, solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Mm. Very clearly, like they, they grow because they're using it. Right, so clearly the Bible teaches that we should be learners, of course, yes. but that that learning should be for the purpose of teaching others. That's right. And Christ, when he came, he didn't just want to teach his disciples so they would be benefited. He was trying to train them to be workers too. And this model of teaching that Christ exemplified of not only conveying information, but transforming the life so that you would in turn become a conveyor of the information as well, is, is running all through scripture. In fact, on Friday's lesson, there is question number one at the end of the lesson here I thought was very helpful yeah. as we discuss this. Um, why don't you read the question, discussion, discussion question one. Discussion question yeah. one, as God addressed Adam and Eve, 
and also Jacob. So Jesus addresses us. He connects with our deep longings, and he startles us, as he did Bartimaeus, into reconsidering who we are and where we are going. In this light, think about how we teach the Bible to our children and to one another. What is the difference between mediocre Bible teaching and the compelling kind that really makes a difference in people's lives? Mm. Now, I like that question a lot, and I think if I were teaching that lesson in the local church, you could spend a little time to marinate on that one and think, what is the difference between... I mean, it's not like one is heretical no. and the other is positive. Well, you're aware of a statement, and I don't, we don't have it in front of us, okay. but where Ellen White says that the way many of our Sabbath schools are conducted, we're teaching our children to be hypocrites. Mm. You know, in, other, in the very yeah. teaching, the way we teach the Bible. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're getting at. Like, right. what does that? What's the difference? And I think that as we reflect on this lesson is, first of all, again, Jesus would get to the heart of an issue. Yes. He would speak to it in plain terms, right where people could relate to it, mm -hmm. right? And then he wouldn't be satisfied with merely saying true things and having them agree. Right. He's like, no, no, it's got to be applied, not just That's agreed. Exactly it has right. to be put to use instead of just uh, assented to and, uh, you know, good, good, thanks for the day. That's right. And so Christ's teaching was powerful, not because it was a different Bible or a new method, but the way that he taught it had a power to it um, that I think shook people in a way they had Urged them to be doers and not just hearers. Exactly the thing. That's exactly the thing. And when we teach a Sabbath school lesson, when we teach a Bible study, when we have public evangelism, public mm. preaching, or even in a church school setting, we should not teach Scripture like it's just another course of study, yeah. that it's just another academic pursuit, That it, but the goal is to be able to weave it into the life so deeply that now mm. you are an ambassador for Christ. Well, one of the things we did right along those lines is I've noticed often we teach, whether it be young people or adults, we teach in such a way as to say, you guys already know this. Mm. As if as if you just can know the... Like, yeah, I read that before. I grew up in a house. And I've got it. Come to church a long and time. And I think I of it. 2 Corinthians 8, too, that says, if any man thinks he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know it. Like, mm. isn't there more to learn? Isn't there always more to learn? No, no, no. I got that. And mm. we, we almost... We almost teach our members to say to, to have that mindset instead mm. of challenging them to say to have to live in that mindset of saying I can always learn more. Oh no, you guys got this. Mm. I hate to bore you with this. I'm going to go over this again, but you guys already know this. I mean, we almost mm. just yes. Well, and I, I really like where the lesson ended this one by referring people to read that that, that beautiful chapter in Steps to Christ. Yes, and and and. Here's a, a section of that uh, I've put in our little notes here, but this is from pages 58 and 59. But it says that there is no evidence of genuine repentance unless it works reformation. Mm -hmm. And let's think about the teaching idea. It's not just hearing a message, but it's being a doer of the message. That's the real evidence, right? If he restore the pledge, give again that he had robbed, confess his sins, and love God and his fellow man, the sinner may be sure that he has passed from death unto life. Mm. It's not just agreement, it's application, That's right? Right. And she closes this way, When, as erring sinful beings, we come to Christ and become partakers of his pardoning grace, love springs up in the heart. Every burden is light, for the yoke that Christ imposes is easy. Duty becomes a delight and sacrifice a pleasure. The path that before seemed shrouded in darkness becomes bright with the beams from the sun mm, of righteousness. That's awesome. So clearly, that's a high standard of yes. teaching. But Christ exemplified it and That's gave right. us that mission as well. So I don't know about you, but I'm inspired to not only learn 
from God, but learn to be like him so I can help make learners right. in, the, in the school of Christ. Absolutely. Why don't you close us with a word of prayer? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we just thank you again for the testimony of your word, not only uh, giving us a view of Jesus teaching us just by the essence of his being and coming to this earth and, and, and exemplifying your character, but in his lessons, Lord, in his manners of teaching. Uh, I thank you for the example he's given us there as well. And I pray you'll help us to learn from that example uh, as he points out and draws out things in our own hearts that we'd be open with you and we'd be willing to acknowledge our own sinfulness, be willing to, to repent and be transformed uh, by your word and not conform to the world. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to be doers of the word and not just hearers of the word. And then, then we, in turn, would teach others the importance of not just hearing the word, but putting into practice uh, the, the teachings of, of your word and teaching others uh, to continue to teach others so that this whole earth would be lightened mm. with your glory. We ask and pray all these things in the name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen.